0: Hello and welcome to Sadie Records Classical Chicago podcast. I'm Jim Ginsburg, founder and president of Sadie Records. Every time Sadie has a new recording, a new release, we have a new podcast on this classical Chicago series, and this one is celebrating Saryaho by Co. The word by on the cover is represented by a large X. So Saryaho by Co. And you actually just heard an excerpt from the album. And that was an excerpt of the violin concerto titled Graal Teatro by, of course, Kaya Sayriaho, the composer featured on the album, performed by violinist Jennifer Coe, the soloist featured on the album, along with the Curtis 2021 Ensemble, conducted by Connor Gray Covington. And we'll be hearing more of the concerto later in the album. But right now it's time to welcome our guest on this podcast, violinist Jennifer Coe. Hi, Jenny. Hi. So let's get right into it. When did you first hear Kaya Sayriaho's music? And what about it appealed to you, or maybe I should say, what connected with you?
1: I first heard Kaya's music, actually her opera, L'Amour de Luen. And then I went into a deep dive of her music, and I was really hoping to play her violin concerto. I didn't have an opportunity to do that until 2006 with Los Angeles Philharmonic, but I'd been wanting to for a very long time. I actually met her about a month prior to that first performance for me. It was actually fascinating because I really felt that I knew this person, knew her completely, because her music is so much about the internal life of human beings. I really did feel like I just understood who she was as a human being. And she really is very open and honest in her music in that sense and very directly emotional. But then it was awkward when I first met her because I'd never met her. And it was just, you know, for the first time, it was hello and a handshake. But I knew the moment I heard her music, in a weird way, I felt immediately very connected to this person. And I felt like, oh, we're going to get along very well. And then, indeed, more than 10 years later, we do get along very well. And we're quite close.
0: So just to put a time frame on this, when did you first hear her opera?
1: It must have been in the late 90s or early aughts.
0: That long ago. And I assume you saw the revival at the Met recently?
1: Yes, of course.
0: And the concerto, was that the first piece of hers you actually played? Yes. And then you met her while working on the concerto or later?
1: I always try to meet composers before I play their work for the first time. So I think I met her about a month before and played through different parts of the concerto for her.
0: So you met her in Los Angeles or in New York? No,
1: I met her in New York.
0: Well, I don't want to go too far along without letting people hear some music, so the first piece on the album is called Tokar, and it's a piece for violin and piano with Nicholas Hodges as the pianist in this. Can you tell us a little bit about this work before we hear an excerpt?
1: I believe Kaya wrote this for some kind of competition of some sort, and it's her only violin and piano piece, and Tokar means to touch. And it was also so wonderful to play with Nick Hodges. He's such a sensitive, wonderful pianist and musician. And yeah, I've been playing it for a couple of years. Kaya had sent it to me after she had finished writing it. And I can't remember what year it was, but I've been wanting to play it for
0: a while. So Tokar dates from 2010. Do you know how many violinists have played it before you?
1: I'm assuming that there must have been violinists. I think it was commissioned by maybe a violin competition. So I'm assuming those violinists had to learn the piece.
0: One thing I think is certainly true of Kaya's music throughout is there's so much texture to it. I think that's especially true here of a piece where the title of the piece itself is to touch.
1: You know, she actually hasn't written that many pieces for solo piano or with piano. It's true in an ensemble that there's piano. I think there was something special about this because of the layering of sounds and textures.
0: She writes, in fact, Tokar asks the question, how does an idea or a person touch us? And you've already talked about how her music touches you. So let's give our listeners a chance to hear as well. So here is an excerpt from... 2010 composition for violin and piano, apparently the only composition so far for violin and piano by Kaya Sarriaho. piece is called Tokar, which means to touch and it's performed by violinist Jennifer Coe and pianist Nick Hodges. was an excerpt from a 2010 composition by Finnish composer Kaja Sarriaho called Tokar, and it was performed by our guest on today's podcast on Sadie Records, Jennifer Ko and pianist Nicholas Hodges for this album, Sarriaho by Ko, which is a combination of chamber works and a concerto by this very celebrated contemporary Finnish composer. Jenny, where did the idea for this album come from?
1: I think actually initially... I wanted to pair the Tchaikovsky album with the Sariaho, and it just took a bit longer. (laughs) But I think in some ways that also made sense. I became even closer with Kaio over the last few years, and I think that did shape a lot of the performances as well, the kind of intimacy that her music has felt even more intimate, if that makes sense.
0: And of course, when you talk about Tchaikovsky, you're referring to your previous album on CD records of the complete violin and orchestra music of Tchaikovsky, which is really a very, very enjoyable album.
1: Yes. And for Kaya's music, I think at this point I've recorded, except for one piece, everything that she's written for violin, including her chamber works, which there are quite a few on this album.
0: Absolutely, and in fact, the next piece on the album is a string trio called Cloud Trio. It's in four movements, and we'll be hearing one of the movements in a moment. I think this piece, for me, says perhaps the widest range of expression of different sounds, different textures. How would you describe it?
1: One of the things that I wanted to show in the CD is Kaya's evolution for writing for violin I think there's quite a few textures in every single piece, but they're very different. Obviously, with Cloud Trio, it's all strings, so she's playing a lot with the different textures amongst just string players. I think you can hear a huge range of color and growl, but you also hear how it kind of evolves, even with light and matter.
0: Part of it, of course, is the multi-movement format, that this is a four-movement piece, which I think allows for more differences... Because in a single movement piece, or a piece with two very long single movements, obviously there has to be some continuity within the movement, whereas here there's four shorter movements, there's more room for having the movements be very distinct from each other in sound. And in fact, I wanted to play on the podcast the third movement. Sempre Energico, in part because it's very different from anything else on the album, and it very much lives up to its title in terms of having so much raw energy to it. What would you say about it?
1: I feel like it's, again, part of a larger whole. You'll hear in Grawl how it's almost the opposite. There's a very raw emotion, and she writes that into the score with these darker triangles. In a sense, that's the sound that's produced from that. In Cloud Trio, it's the opposite. So you have essentially these X'd out notes where you're as quiet as possible on the bridge. So there's actually no actual pitch that's been marked. So that's almost the very opposite extreme. But it still has to do with color, similarly to what might sound like grittier things in growl. But for me, it's really a kind of outburst of emotion.
0: Great. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that quiet beginning because I wanted to tell our listeners, do not adjust your systems. The movement does start quietly. In fact, it pretty much sneaks in, starts outward, it's almost imperceptible, and then grows and grows and grows. So you may not hear something right away, but it'll creep up on you pretty fast. And I just think this movement has such great shape to it. I hope you enjoy it. This is the third movement, Sempre Energico, from Cloud Trio by Kaya Sarriaho, and it's performed by violinist Jennifer Ko, violist Sin Yun Huang, and cellist Wilhelmina Smith. You just heard the third movement of Kaya Sarayahu's 2009 composition, Cloud Trio, which is a string trio. The movement is titled Sempre Energico. I think you could hear why. And it was performed by our guest on today's podcast, violinist Jennifer Ko, with her collaborators, Sin Young Huang, Viola, and cellist Wilhelmina Smith. And this is available on Sadie Records. It's our November release. Sarayahu by Ko is the title of the album. And you can get that at cedirecords.org, C-E-D-I-L-L-E records.org. We've now heard actually a number of your collaborators on this album. I think there's still one new one to come as well, and then the orchestra. This might be a good time, Jenny, for you to tell us a little bit about the different collaborators and if they share your connection to or passion for Kaya's music, and if so, how?
1: So actually, it's interesting, Cloud Trio was initially written for Ansi Kartunen, a Finnish cellist, and he has known Kaya Saryaho, Magnus Lindbergh, Pekka Salonen, uh, since their school days. So he's had the longest relationship of everyone on the CD, I guess, uh, with Kaya. And in fact, she also wrote Light and Matter for Ansi and Myself, So I'm actually close friends with Ansi as well. I was trying to understand why I was so close with all these Finns, and I've never quite figured it out. But maybe it's because we're all quiet to a certain degree until we really know each other well.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned Ansi because he is, in fact, your collaborator on the next piece. And uh, since we're hearing all these string pieces, this might be a good time to ask... What is so unique about Saria Ho's sound world and, in particular, her violin and string writing in general?
1: Oh, I think that Kaya just explores the entire realm of string instruments. I think partly because she did play violin, did a lot of voice when she was younger. She told me this funny story about when she was applying, I think it was to Sibelius Academy, and she was so shy that they asked her to sing and she opened her mouth and nothing came out and then I told her my story of Curtis where we had an admission test and we had to sing solfege and I opened my mouth and not a single note came out and they were like can you sing that louder I was like no (laughs) so it was somewhat of a similar story
0: Okay, well, we're next going to hear an excerpt from Light and Matter. And this is the most recent piece on the album, composed in 2014. And as you mentioned, it was written specially for you. And it's also a world premiere recording, I should note. So what was that process like to have Kaya write a piece specially for you?
1: Oh, it's great. And I love Kaya and I love her music. And it feels incredibly special when a musician and a composer that you respect so very much writes a piece for you and it's incredibly meaningful
0: and of course this piece is in the piano trio format with cello and piano so this is an excerpt from light and matter jennifer co violin ansi cartoon and cello and once again nicholas hodges piano That was an excerpt from a 2014 composition, a world premiere recording of Light and Matter by Kaya Sarriaho, as performed by violinist Jennifer Coe, our guest on this podcast, along with Ansi Cartonin Cello and Nicholas Hodges' piano. And you mentioned, Jenny, that this piece was written specially for you. This might be a good time to talk about Kaya's contribution to another project of yours, the Shared Madness Project.
1: A couple of things that are interesting, uh, Kaya initially wrote Or, which is on this particular CD, Memoriam for Dottia. And actually, the fragment of the opening melody is from a piece by Dottia. And she then adapted that work for Ansi and myself, I think only a couple of years ago. And then she did write, A piece called Sense for me for this larger project called Shared Madness. Actually, the special thing about Shared Madness was that all these wonderful composers that I'm incredibly grateful to be part of that community donated their work to repay a loan that I had taken out for my violin. And actually, a lot of them knew how many years it was about eight years that I'd been trying to raise money for this instrument and kaya really did know about the extent of it so i was coming up with this idea of how do i repay this loan in the form of commissions initially i had had this idea to go around bach and she was like that's way too hard for composers it needs to go around something else so she actually helped inform that entire project so the only other things that solo violin have because i believe the project should go around celebrating the violin, because this is what this whole community of composers were helping me with. So then we started thinking about the idea of Paganini and how his caprices are supposedly the definition of virtuosity for the violin. You know, that's from the 1800s, which is a really long time ago. And I wanted to figure out what is that definition of virtuosity to composers now? And why are we still defining violin virtuosity in this very kind of dated way, I I suppose? And in any case, around Paganini's time, he was the only one that could play them. And at this point, I think almost every conservatory violinist can play them. So the idea of virtuosity has really shifted over time. So it kind of started around the idea of Paganini and the idea of virtuosity, but eventually I realized, and many of the composers also believed this, a lot of us were ambivalent about the idea of pyrotechnics on the violin. A lot of them went in very different directions, including Kaya. So for a lot of them, they felt like, well, anybody can play fast at this point. And it's really about phrasing. It's about expression. And those are the things that are virtuosic now. So I think her piece Sense is really about this kind of internal life. And I feel like I have to repeat that over and over about her music, but it is something that's so unique to her. I think I want to say on the surface, in terms of what people call extended techniques or certain things like that, certainly she's quite experimental in that way. And her palette and her language are quite colorful and broad. But essentially, you could just have a piece of random sounds. But really, what makes her music incredibly unique and special, at least to me, is that she's able to capture these intimate internal struggles or internal journeys that we take in our life.
0: Well, that's a perfect segue because you mentioned her piece from 2011, Or, which is originally written for violin and viola. This is the first recording of the violin. Cello version, which of course you play with Ansi, and the piece takes as its musical motive the third movement of Henri Dutilleux's piece, Memoire des Ombres, or Shadows of Time. Jenny, can you explain how that works musically?
1: It's all around the theme, the main musical material from the Dutilleux, and I believe she wrote it in memoriam for Dutilleux.
0: And the Dutilleux piece is actually a memorial for Anne Frank and for all the children in the world, all innocent. So here is an excerpt from or for Violin and Cello. It's performed by violinist Jennifer Coe, of course, and Ansi Kartunen, cello. We've heard an excerpt from "Or" for Violin and Cello, a 2011 composition by Kaya Sarriaho, performed by the soloist on this album, violinist Jennifer Coe, and her collaborator, in this case, Ansi Kartunen, Cello. And that brings us now to the major work on this album, certainly the longest work at the concerto, titled Graal Teatro. Before we get into the piece itself, Jenny, you commissioned a video, from an artist named Yang Bao to accompany this piece. How did this come about, and how does the video reflect or deepen the viewer's understanding of the music?
1: I did commission a work from Yang Bao. I had seen some of his more formal video work, and he was working at a festival, and we were just speaking about music we love, and I was talking about Kaya's music, and he really loved Gral Theater, and in general, I think a lot more about fully immersive experiences, both in terms of performance as well as with just listening. I think Graal, especially because it involves in the title its theatrical elements, so it just seemed to work. And then the visually thematic choices that Young made also really works because it's this singular figure that runs throughout the video and the film. And that's really the role of the violinist. And the other thing that's nice about the CD for me, or that I think I did on purpose, is that almost everyone, Kaya, myself, the string trio, the person I chose, Anne Lancelotti for program notes, it's majority women. And it's been something that I've been thinking about a lot.
0: Well, to get into the piece, the music itself, this is by far the earliest work on the album, written in 1994. I understand this version is a little different from the original version of the piece, is that right?
1: Yes, this is a version she wrote for Avanti. Originally, this piece was premiered, I believe, with either the Philharmonia or the BBC Symphony, I can't remember, and that was full orchestra, and this is chamber orchestra version. I've played both versions, There's something even more intimate about this chamber orchestra version. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the reasons for ending the CD with this work. The reason that I built this program in this particular way for this recording is all about this kind of sense of community and the sense of return. And a lot of what I see in Kaya's music is this internal life. And a lot of that is about Close relationships and relationships to people, but also relationships to music. And so there was something quite special about returning to Curtis, which is where I went to school, and going there specifically with Kaya, who I've become very close with over the last decade. So it feels like it rounds out in that sense. And all of the people in the chamber groups are longtime collaborators and people that are good friends. So finally, with Gral, what was interesting, not only about the recording process and this recording, is that we also had a chance and an opportunity to work closely with Curtis students to come to an understanding of her compositional voice and to explain performance practices. And that's something that she and I have done in a number of places, not only Curtis, but at Aspen Music Festival. And at UC Berkeley. So this kind of passing on was also very important.
0: When, of course, from the title of the work, references the Holy Grail, and I think there really is a searching quality, particularly in the first movement. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: I don't always see things so literally. It's just something that's really in the music. I think oftentimes we all find different points of inspiration and works or in other ways i remembered having this conversation actually with ed aldwell who wrote all of the harmony books with carl schachter that we study in conservatories and he did a lot of shankarian analysis and i remembered at some point i was like i don't know if i can do all this shankarian analysis and he had done the shankarian analysis So he asked me, what piece do you think this is on the chalkboard, essentially? And I was like, oh, it's probably the Spring Sonata. And he was like, it is the Spring Sonata. So he was like, you can find different points of inspiration, whether it's historical, whether it's stories, whether it's harmonic analysis. And so with Kaya's music, a lot of times I don't know what the program notes exactly pertain to, but in the music itself, it feels very clear to me.
0: Of course, the reference to the Grail is actually in the title of the piece. And I certainly feel like I hear that searching quality, and I hope listeners will appreciate that. In the excerpt, we're going to hear now from Grail Teatro, violin and orchestra piece, in this case, violin and chamber orchestra piece by Kaya Sarayaho from 1994. And this is Jennifer Coe, violin, with the Curtis 2021 ensemble conducted by Connor Gray Covington. <laughs> That was an excerpt from the first movement, marked Delicato, from Violin Concerto by Kaya Sarriaho, titled Graal Teatro. And it was performed by our guest on this podcast, violinist Jennifer Coe, with the Curtis 2021 Ensemble, conducted by Connor Gray Covington. And you can hear that piece on wherever recordings are available, whether it's streamed on Spotify or downloaded on iTunes, or if you want to purchase the physical version on Amazon or even the Sadie Records website, CDRecords.org. that's C-E-D-I-L-L-E records.org, and of course, in addition to the concerto, there are several chamber works featuring violin, which we've heard earlier in the podcast. Before we move on to the second movement of the concerto, Jenny, have you developed personal connections like this with other composers, such as the one you have with Kaya? From your perspective, what makes working with her so special?
1: I feel very close with her as a person, just as a human being, and we speak pretty regularly, and it's not just about music, and so there's a kind of connection there.
0: And do you have that kind of connection with other composers, or is this really unique to Kaya?
1: I do. I suppose I kind of have that, but Kaya's an older generation than myself. I definitely have close friends that are also composers, and we see each other and are in touch with each other quite closely. Sometimes I think it's maybe a female thing because a lot of the composers where we speak on a very regular basis, like Missy, Miss Oli, and Nina Young, we do speak quite often. So those aren't necessarily conversations that one would have with men. But Kaya, she's one of my closer friends for sure.
0: And do you have plans for future collaborations with her?
1: Yeah, I think let's first get the CD done. (laughs) (laughs) That was kind of my feeling.
0: The CD's done. We're expecting uh, the album to ship from the CD plant the week that we're recording this podcast, even though by the time this podcast is aired, the album uh, will have been available for pre-order for a couple weeks, and the official release date of the album is Friday, November 9th.
1: Excellent. So Kaya's coming to New York for the American premiere of Only the Sound Remains, but I actually heard that opera at Palais Garnier in Paris, and it's really extraordinary. That work is one of the most moving things I've heard in such a long time. It's really remarkable work. So she'll actually be in New York around the time of the release.
0: Oh, that's right. And aren't you performing right around the...
1: I'm doing Tokar, in New York, and we're pairing it with Bach. So I'm also playing the Bach G minor sonata, and I've been working with Jean-Baptiste Berriere, one of the founders of ERCOM, on a new work which is based on my family called The 38th Parallel, and it's based on my mother's side of the family and their experiences of Growing up under the occupation, World War II, and, of course, the Korean War, and my mother's experiences as a refugee. And then the experience of immigration and displacement when these communities moved to the West.
0: And for those of our listeners who don't know, your mother is a refugee specifically from North Korea, correct?
1: Originally from North Korea. She escaped She and her family literally walked the entire peninsula of Korea down and finally made it to Busan, which was the only part of the Korean peninsula that was held not by the north because the war went down the entire peninsula.
0: It's a very fascinating story, which you've talked about, I believe, on an earlier podcast of ours. But to move on, we'll hear a little bit of the final movement, Impetuoso of Graal Teatra, and this is a very dynamic movement, just in terms of dynamic range of sound. I think this probably is the greatest exponent of that. We hear so many textures with Sarriaho, very quiet textures, and you've heard that in the excerpts we've been playing so far. How does this movement differ for you?
1: I don't know if this is in the program notes of the piece or if it was just in a conversation I had with Kaya. But she actually told me she was pregnant with her daughter, Elisa, and Elisa's now a violinist, which I think is really interesting. And so I actually think that this entire piece kind of encapsulates those feelings of anticipation, those feelings of love, the feelings of perhaps even turmoil when one is about to create a new life in this world.
0: Well, it certainly comes through in the music. Let's hear an excerpt. This is the second movement, or from the second movement, Impetuoso of Graal Teatro, Concerto for Violin and, in this case, Chamber Orchestra, violinist Jennifer Coe with the Curtis 2021 Ensemble, conducted by Connor Gray Covington. ¶¶ We've heard an excerpt from the second movement of Graal Teatra* violin concerto by Kaya Sariajo, performed by violinist Jennifer Coe with the Curtis 2021 ensemble conducted by Connor Gray Covington. Having now heard a hopefully representative sampling of this album, Jenny, what do you hope listeners will take away from hearing it? I guess
1: it's about the sense of connection. And I think. One of the things I felt immediately when I heard L'Amour de and I saw the DVD, the original production by Peter Sellers, the initial thing that I felt was, first of all, the intimacy of the opera insofar that it's always on a large stage, but it's pretty intimate in terms of the relationships between the main characters. There's only three lead singers and there's a chorus but there's a kind of connectivity between the two main characters and the person who connects those two people. And it's all about these very intimate feelings and relationships with those feelings. And to be honest, one of my favorite operas is Wozzeck and Lulu and Bluebeard's Castle. But, you know, the women always die. And what was really nice in L'Amour de Luen is that the male character dies essentially out of love. And you always see women dying because they're prostitutes or they get tuberculosis <laughs> or they get murdered. So this was really, I was like, oh, this does reflect a woman's point of view, finally.
0: Excellent. Finally, the question we always ask at the end of these podcasts, as someone from Chicago... What makes Chicago's classical music scene special for you?
1: Chicago's where I grew up. It's where I first discovered music. It's where I heard my first opera. It's where I heard my first orchestra concert. It was how I was introduced to music, which completely changed my life. And I feel incredibly grateful to have this life. I really, truly love this life of being in the arts and being a musician. so Chicago has a great deal of significance to me. And I'll always be grateful for the fact that I, by chance, happened to be born and raised
0: there. And of course, you come back to perform here fairly regularly. What is your perspective as someone who no longer lives in Chicago, but comes back to perform? How does this city compare to the city you live in or other cities you perform in?
1: first of all I think the thing that's unique in Chicago is I a lot of people I've known since even grade school high school everything and so there's a long history in relationships that I have with audiences and with just friends that come and it's interesting because when I was growing up, it was not called the Music Institute of Chicago, and it, there was only one campus which was based, I believe, in Winnetka, but at least in terms of playing at Northwestern, Pickstiger Hall, and as well as with the Chicago Symphony or Grant Park Orchestra. These are all the ensembles and orchestras and recital halls that I heard my first recitals in and I heard my first orchestra concert. I think Grant Park was my first outdoor orchestra concert. Chicago Symphony was my first experience with orchestra at all. And I used to go to Ravinia as a kid quite often.
0: We've been hearing from violinist Jennifer Coe about her new album, Sariaho by Ko, celebrating her relationship with and the music of contemporary Finnish composer Kaya Sarriaho It's been great to talk to you, Jenny. Thanks so much for joining us on Sadie's Classical Chicago podcast.
1: Thank you so much.